Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. People in the video were laughing when it was happening to them. There was no bystander intervention at all. Stuff like this has been happening for years at the school, uh, maybe even decades. Make no mistake, this is not part of the culture of the institution. They're protecting the institution over the individual. And so it goes at St. Mike's. That's uh, one of those predominant stories that we've been covering today and for the last few days as it's unraveled. uh, There's a serious situation of uh, damage control or crisis management here for the school and its venerable reputation. Uh, More to the point, however, is the uh, safety and sanctity of the student body and whether or not uh, that's been seen to be uh, exposed as a culture of fear and intimidation. Or is this an isolated incident? These are all some of the talking points we'll get around to, uh, but one of them is, of course, the fallout from this, and what are the legal implications? And before we get to the other stuff, let's bring Joe Newberger in here, 640 legal expert from Newberger and Partners. Joseph, good afternoon, and welcome back here on The Oakley Show. Thank you, John. How are you? Very good, very good. But uh, I'm really interested to get your thoughts on the matter from the aspect of uh, legal responsibility uh do you see lawsuits possible in this whole series of events at st mike's oh yeah oh yeah Mm. i mean this is not unusual we have heard and we know that in athletic areas with teams and camps that sometimes there's hazing we have this with uh you know um fraternities this isn't unknown it happens and uh boys or ladies or whatever will do what they do because they have this type of culture. The issue is how do you protect students from this? And what measures do you have in place to do that? What supervision's in place? And I think, frankly, it's very serious because we've heard now, I think, through the media, and of course, I haven't read really what the allegations are in each and every instance, but we've heard at least three instances of something which was highly inappropriate and possibly criminal. So, you know, they could be very much on the line for civil lawsuits from the family of the victims. All right. Uh, and where does this then uh, go to the administration, the school itself? I mean, right up the food chain to the archdiocese. I don't know what the actual corporate structure here is. Okay. Yeah. Excellent question. So first of all, if there was something criminal that happened, which we think there is certainly in the video, um, if the person who is the victim wanted to pursue criminal charges, they could. If they wanted to pursue a civil action, they could. That civil action would include this school and the governing body of the school. And if there's, uh, if, if it's truly through the Catholic Church and the diocese, ultimately it would go all the way up. But of course they would have insurance policies in place which would cover the damages. What about some of the other students who might have been implicated here? I don't know. Uh, there have been expulsions for uh, in the first 13. incident. Uh, yeah, uh, four more, and uh, any more that you've heard of subsequent to the first date? Yeah, I, 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 again, I'm just listening. Of course, I always listen to Global AM640, but you know, I've heard fairly significant numbers of expulsions. I thought the number I heard was about 13, 
And that's very serious because these children are now removed from the school, and it's a shame for them as well because they could have been excellent academic students and excellent athletes, and now, you know, all that's in jeopardy. So this is a tragedy for everybody. But it's a culture that needs to be changed, and we see it in sports and we see it in other areas, and it's, it's such a shame. All right, but I was asking if some of these students who are alleged to have assaulted the other boys, the victims in these videos, yeah. uh, they would be, I guess, uh, criminally uh, charged with assault then. Is that the understanding, or could they be sued well, civilly as well? It, well, they could certainly be charged. So if they're of age, older than 12, and they were accessories to or principals in the offending, they could easily be charged if the victim comes forward and gives a statement. Now, the video itself could result in uh, charges, but you need to know that this was done without the consent of the victim. So the victim really has to cooperate with the police, and then all parties involved, even those who stand it around and maybe encourage the event, could be parties to the offense by way of counseling. So everybody's in jeopardy. They could be sued as well, but because they're minors, they don't have assets, um, that's a bit more difficult. And so they, whoever wants to sue on behalf of the victim, the family, etc., would then go after the school because they're the ones with the insurance policy. Again, with Joe Newberger, 640 legal expert on this situation out at St. Mike's, you know, the police have also warned anybody in possession of the videos that are uh, in question here and central to the case that they're in, in uh, possession of child pornography. They've determined that that would constitute child pornography. Uh what would the charges then be for those who took the video? Exactly. It would be child pornography. I mean, if you, if you make and then distribute, that's the charges. So it would be making and distributing child pornography. Right on point. You're absolutely right. Those could also be charges. It's all very bad, all very bad and can lead to very serious criminal allegations. The other thing, when the level uh, the civil lawsuit, uh, that would be, you know, potentially launched against the school. Does the timeline matter insofar as how they handled this? You mean the school? Yeah. Because well, the police were clearly. not notified initially. I mean, the idea that somehow they investigated internally before notifying the police. Uh, does that become an exacerbating circumstance here? You're absolutely right. So we've seen this with, you know, football clubs in the United States, uh, with uh, universities where, you almost think there's a cover-up, right? Where, in fact, they have something to their knowledge, they don't expose it, they don't bring in the police, and that exacerbates the liability, in my opinion. But it doesn't necessarily increase the damages. But what resonates with me so much is that there's this lack of a response to a culture which is incredibly damaging to children. That's, that's bad. But it can resonate in damages overall in the litigation. It's kind of like a duty of care is implied here. John, you're, uh, you could do my job. Absolutely correct. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. Uh, they have a duty of care. Teachers and the school are like parents. They're in a loci parentis relationship with the children. They have a duty of care to the students. If this comes to their knowledge, they must report it. There's no, there's no gray area about it. It's bad. But it's the, what, what really drives me in this, which I find so disturbing, is this type of culture has to be stopped. And if a lawsuit will do it and charges will do it, so be it. But it's very damaging to the victims of these offenses, and it's very damaging to the people who are participating in it because they have a distorted view of what they should and should not be doing. 
Well, and that's interesting to me because the school uh, maintains in a letter that they sent out to the parents earlier today, uh, just to crib uh, some of the highlights, our primary concern and focus is the care, safety, and well-being of our students. Uh, The process we followed was dictated by this guiding principle. We bear a heavy responsibility. uh, And they mentioned in two separate severe violations of the student code of conduct. So they had a code of conduct in place. They've written this letter that sort of uh, explains how much they care about the students and so on and so forth. Uh, Does that mitigate anything? Maybe. I mean, you know, all schools have this. In fact, I received by email today with one of my children at school an email about how they're reinforcing, you know, their code of conduct. And they may have that. And we don't know. These are early days. We don't know what really was in the knowledge of the uh, the um, the teachers or the uh, upper staff in the school. So we're not really sure about that. And, they, and I'm absolutely sure they have policies and guidelines and protocols with respect to this. The difficulty is, this is one of those things, it's kind of hard to hide us, but maybe this happened so well in secret they didn't know. Maybe nobody keyed into the video. I don't know. Uh, I think it's important that they release this uh, statement because it's important so the parents of students who go there will understand this. And it may have some mitigation, but, you know, we are still in early days. What did they know at the right time? Did they fail to disclose? Did they fail to report to police? Did they fail to take appropriate actions at the right time. We're going to see how this unfolds because there's going to there. And I think the call for a third party investigation as to what happened, how it unfolded and who knew what happened is extremely important to try and get at the bottom of this and deal with this culture, which is so damaging to everybody involved. Yeah. Well, they've expelled four students in the first incident and the second uh, shortly thereafter, because they say uh, they were conducting their internal investigation. Uh, Does that tend to suggest they were being responsible and how they were dealing with it as soon as it came to light, or was it the absence of calling the police immediately that leaves a gap in uh, some of their duty of care, as it were? I agree with you. I think there is a gap. The police should have been notified. Uh, They have an absolute obligation to do that. Uh, An internal investigation is good, but given the fact that there is a delay here and we're not sure exactly what's going on, they would be very prudent to engage somebody to conduct a third-party investigation who's not biased and would be able to assess what went on and then give a report in that regard. I think that would be appropriate and would help them restore any type of reputation that they've lost given this uh, horrific uh, situation. Well, we're going to see if they can actually uh, overcome this reputationally anyway. It's not the... uh First and foremost concern, it's the well-being of the students at that school as we get it. But uh, we'll ask that question at the bottom of the hour. I'll let you go on that note. I always appreciate your coming in with your valued insights, Joe. And uh, now we're better served for it, but this one still <laughs> continues to play out. So uh, I'm Thank sure we you, haven't Bob. heard the, the last of it yet. Thanks so much for your time. Love to be on your show. Thank you. Have a great show as usual. Thank you. Joseph Newberger, 640 legal expert from Newberger and Partners. And we will talk about it at the bottom of the hour. I'm going to open the lines again because there are a lot of these questions that are kind of running around here, whether or not the school uh, is obviously, uh, you know, as some have suggested, you know, and there's been dispute about whether there's a culture of fear and intimidation at this particular school. Is there a certain dynamic at an all boys school, for example? That's another thing. You know, when you've got an all boys school, uh, does it lend itself to, let's just say, uh, deviant behavior in a lot of cases or, you know, boys acting in perverse ways? Uh, again, these are some of the things we'll, we'll put to 
you at the bottom of the hour. I wanted to come back in a moment here and discuss something else from yesterday's fall economic statement where the Ford government decided to lift rent controls as of yesterday. Any premise that would be let uh, going forward from that day, from yesterday forward, would no longer be subject to rent controls. And some people see that as being a boon to the developer, or at least it would incent them to want to build these uh, purpose-built apartments and maybe open up the market. Others see it as a way of uh, keeping people out of the market, or at least renters, in a a precarious position because they can probably uh, ill afford to rent in the first place here in Toronto. So we'll get to that with Cameron Wolfrey. He's the sales rep with Royal LePage Signature Realty. He's going to join us next to give us some insight on that point. Here on the Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto.